Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good afternoon to those of you in the United States. Good evening to those of you in the United Kingdom, and I guess also to those of you in Spain. And good morning to those of you in Australia who listen to V Radio. Uh, today is our special report on the situation in Spain. Uh, if this is the first time you've ever listened to V Radio, please check out my website, v or v-radio.org. There you can find archives of more shows like this one, my must-see TV list of doc- free documentaries to watch online about this direction and the different things that we advocate, um, and uh, lots of other features there, including a forum. Uh, so be you know sure to check that out. If you like what you hear on V Radio and you'd like to donate to the cause, so to speak, for you know keeping this radio show going. You can click Donate there and uh, contribute to V-Radio. So that being said, tonight I have a panel made up of um, people who are either in Spain or uh, are from Spain, and we're going to be talking tonight about the protests. Um, And uh, so that being stated, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start with the introductions. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start first of all with uh, Vixie. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Well, hi everybody. I think a lot of people know me already, but uh, for those that don't know, I, I'm very tied up with the linguistic team, with the global linguistic team, and um, I'm the, one of the coordinators for the Spanish language team. All right. Um, another one of our guests' name is Carlos. Carlos, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, well, I am Carlos Gabriel Hasman Commandari. I uh, am computer programmer. I have um, well translated some text from uh, uh, Moving Forward into Italian for the subtitles, and uh, I have been also a frequent user on the international forums. And I support uh, the RB, of course, and that's about it. Okay, um, and that brings me to uh, Ben McLeish. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell me if I mispronounced your name. <laughs> no, that was uh, correct. Ben McLeish, yeah. I'm a uh, Zeitgeist Movement UK member and a member of the uh, UK lecture team who sort of goes around uh, with a set of slides presenting the ideas that we talk about to the various people who will listen in the kind of European area. Okay. Um and I'm also adding somebody else to the call now, uh, Emilio. Um, it's, let's see if he picks up. Hello, Emilio. Hello. Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Welcome to V Radio. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Well, we are two. I'm Emilio, and I'm with Lorena. Hello. Oh, hello. So we got two guests for the price of one. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. um Welcome to V Radio. Uh, be ready to mute yourself from time to time when it's you know when it's time for someone else to talk. Um, but anyway, uh, basically today we're going to be talking about the situation in Spain, the protests in Spain. Um, we have people on the call who uh, witnessed some of it, and uh, obviously a panel of people who knows a little bit about what's going on in Spain. Uh, so basically that's what the conversation will be about today. Uh, before we get started with that, I have a tradition on V Radio that I ask various new guests, uh, what basically got them into becoming activists, uh, and this I'll be going through all of that right now. I'm going to start with you, Vixie. Uh, was there a specific moment in your life uh, that, you know, basically convinced you to become an, an activist? No, I don't think there was. I think it's been a gradual process. The same way that I got into the linguistic team, more or less by accident, because someday... Uh, one day somebody gave me a video to help translate and I just carried on from there. I think it's been the same with the actually being active, the whole thing. It's just come slowly. You know, I didn't actually say one day, today I am going to become an activist. It just sort of, I just sort of like flowed into it. <laughs> was there was there anything specifically then I guess, with, I mean, like what was your life before you were involved in the Zeitgeist movement? You know, were you always kind of an activist or was it just, that, that's generally what the question is about. I've, I think I've always been um, unknowingly against the system because I, I wasn't awake, you know. It wasn't until... I mean, I, I'm the typical sort that was woken up, as it were, by 9-11, by seeing a documentary on 9-11 and following various other documentaries. I finally arrived at Zeitgeist and Zeitgeist Addendum and then got involved in the linguistic team and so on and so forth. Um, 
So I think I was unknowingly um, against the system, but I didn't realize that that was what it was. I kept seeing things that weren't clicking right with me and, and they'd annoy me, but I'd never really go any deeper than that. And and then just one day I got hit in the face with the um, with the, with the 9-11 thing and, and that started me off investigating more. But again, I don't think that's the, that I can say that is the day I started to be an activist because it came after that. All right. Um, and then, uh, Carlos, you want to go ahead and give your story about what got you involved in this, what woke you up, so to speak? Well, uh, since I was a child, I, I was uh, more or less uh, uh, bullied by, by a lot of people because I was very different in the way I thought. Uh, basically, I didn't believe in God in a very uh, conservative uh, country where everybody, everybody was uh, Catholic. So once uh, a, a colleague of mine um, just uh, told my teacher that I didn't believe in God and then uh, everybody st- started looking at me at, like I was some freak, right? And so there it began my discomfort with uh, society because I realized that if you weren't with the status quo, you were basically a freak or some kind of r- reject, right? And you soon realize that you, the more you study, the, the more reject you become in the system because uh, people are ignorant in the majority and that uh, that tendency unfortunately keeps growing because, well, I don't know, people don't get uh, to read many books, I guess, and they always blame it on on the people that are different because that's their venting mechanism, right? And then, of course, I I started watching the the movie Sidegeist, and I loved it because, you know, it exposed the majority of uh, bigotry from uh, lots of institutions, uh, the religious, the financial, and the political one. And then you have a lot of uh, people calling it conspiracy theory, but uh, I will not get into the details of that, of that but I, I, consider, I consider it much uh, far, far-fetched, uh, the, the reality of the mainstream media, than that of uh, the theories, say, the first side guys. But then I, I realized that, you know, it was like any other documentary didn't offer any solution. So I went and watched the abandon and I was wowed by the quality of the solution, the RBE idea. And so I, I instantly joined the, the movement in a certain way. And I didn't uh, participate as much in the beginning, but uh, I gradually it became more and more involved, and I still, you know, participate whenever I can. All right. Um, uh, ben McLeish is also on the call, as we said earlier. Uh, ben, do you want to go ahead and answer the same question? Sure. Um, I think the sort of turning point for me, at least when I started to think about culture and all of these um, areas uh, of society that normally sort of noised out by the media, uh, sort of don't cover it, was actually studying at university. So uh, there was a, uh, a course on culture, literary and cultural theory, which uh, began with, uh, you know, tracing all the trains of thought that people had. Freud, uh, you know, uh, Lucy Irigaray, uh, Walter Benjamin, all of these people who had sort of sat down and looked at what modern life was doing and how that affects the way that we think about it. And when I realized that my thought processes weren't sort of separate from everything, that they were sort of mine, and that they were actually a sort of product of everything that was around me and sort of the assumed uh, social norms. I suppose that's when I started thinking about it. But in terms of actually doing anything about it, it wasn't really until uh, I was exposed to Zeitgeist Addendum and sort of the related material that went into it. So I went and rushed out and read all the background material. But I sort of realized what the train of thought that kind of has to come first is, which is that as much as we are a product of anything and as much as we rely on things, really the kind of core thing we rely on absolutely is resources. <laughs> and when I realized that uh, the culture that we're surrounded by globally doesn't focus on those things, uh, except in sort of means to sort of make more money off whatever is left, that's when I sort of realized where I had to where I had to sort of concentrate my viewpoint. So that was really what it was, a mixture of education and uh, kind of being exposed to, uh, you know, collections of that information. Right. Um, well, I since uh, I guess we'll just have you guys go uh, one at a time because we have two callers on the same uh, line, but uh, I'll start with you, Emilio. Do you want to describe what got you involved in, in activism and being awake? 
uh, yes. Well, I'm originally from Argentina, but now I live in Spain. Um, as you might know, uh, there was a huge crisis uh, 10 years ago there. So me and my family, we had to move all to Spain. And I'm starting to see the same here around. So I, I never take so much action as an activist until I watched Zeitgeist Addendum, which, you know, it, it was impossible to refuse all that information and continue with my matrix life, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I decided to, to, to move and uh, join with the Zeitgeist group here, which was founded the first chapter by my brother and a few guys over here in Valencia in Spain. And yeah, it was basically that. I, I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't know what until I watched the movies. And I, I, I decided to be an activist because you know, I, I can't do another thing right now. Right. Okay, um, go ahead and uh, let your friend answer the same question. Yes. Well, in my case, I was tired of being an activist in this or that cause, fighting for this and that cause. And uh, I was tired of demonstrating, protesting, and collecting signs for this and for that. And, and well, I watched the documentaries, and they were really shocking for me. I suffered a kind of depression because of all the... All the all the, all the lifestyle I built around me was kind of a fraud, was kind of fake. So then I found them. They were the first group here in Spain. And, well, I contacted them, and I was a kind of activist by nature. But the thing was I, I, I had been attacking just consequences, not the real root of the problem. So now I feel this is my place. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, now that we've kind of done the round table on this situation, um, I guess the circumstances in Spain in regards to the uh, um, protests were, uh, I guess from what I understand anyway, were brought on by financial circumstances in Spain. I was told that the unemployment uh, rate for people under 24 is uh, up to 45%. Um, Vixie, I had you look into that a little bit. Do you want to go ahead and comment on it? Make sure you're not muted. Sorry, I was muted. I forgot. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I was just saying it's been very difficult to find any statistics that I feel are trustworthy. So what I can do is comment on what I've heard on the radio and what young people themselves have told me, if that's interesting. Go ahead. Okay. Well, basically, uh, there's the problem of the education in Spain. You know, they, they say that this is the best prepared generation yet, and yet there is a high uh, percentage of children who repeat uh, school years because they don't pass their exams at the end of it. Then they, the ones that finally get through to university become very demotiv dis demotivated, dismotivated, um, because the, the level of education isn't good. They, they've come from a from a school where there's probably 30 people in a class, and they suddenly they're in a room with 100 people, and it's it's just not the same. Uh, there's such things as you know you have to pay very high matriculation to get in, and then the teachers just give you 10 minutes of scribbling on the blackboard and, set, and tell you to study the rest online because it's all online. So these people they they they're struggling to get a career under their belt. They do this for maybe five years, and then when they get out into the work market there's nothing for them for these wonderful degrees and titles and and what have you that they have and um, apparently there is an extreme uh, problem with the young people because they can't get uh, permanent contracts everybody wants to hire them on a temporary contract which means that they lose all sorts of benefits and all sorts of rights they maybe just work three months of course if they have four or five jobs in this way then that builds up a curriculum that doesn't look very favorable because it seems as though they can't hold down a job if they've been three months here and three months there and there's just not enough work on the market for all these people that are coming out with these titles so yes it is a big problem i don't know the percentage though but uh, one of the things that's in the um, real um, real democracy now that they have asked for is that this be uh, looked into and that it for example, the pension age should not be risen, should not be hired until the youth unemployment situation is is solved, because they think 
that part of the problem that there isn't jobs for young people is because the um, retirement age has been risen to 67 years now, so there's people working longer, so there's less jobs and so on and so forth. Of course, we know slightly differently than that, but anyway, that seems to be um, the take on it from, from what I'm hearing from people anyway. Okay, um, I'm going to actually go ahead and ask uh, uh, Emilio and you know your other friend who's on today, uh, do you want to comment on anything that Vixie just pointed out? Yes, well, I think that, um, you know, this situation is normal. There is nothing that we could not expect, especially with the the situation in Spain about the construction bubble. I think that's right in English, I don't know. But, um, you know, a lot of people was waiting for this, but uh, the people that didn't knew about how the money worked, how the banks control everything, and how uh, these uh, uh, corporations make a lot of profit on basically nothing. Uh, it, it was not a surprise. It was the same that happened everywhere. And this revolution that it was a revolution, you know, this uh, situation is going on right now with the camps and the Spanish revolution, or how you call it. Uh, it's only because it happened here. It happened everywhere, but the people now see more real. Yes, uh, well, there's a lot of people fighting against this fraud since so many years ago that now feel kind of offended because um, now we are on the streets because the crisis came to knock our door. Otherwise, we would be at home, as always. So, well, it's a good opportunity to spread the message people deserve to have, but it's not a surprise. I think for, at least for Sidegeist Movement activists, this is not a surprise because we already know how is it, how is it built by design, so this is, this is designed to fail. <laughs> right, yeah, for sure. Um, now I'm going to go ahead and uh, go to Carlos. Uh, do you have any comments? Well, yes, well, uh, first of all, I have to add that I've been in Spain only for three months now, but I have a very uh, wide perspective of how um, the system works in general, and I've been in contact with a lot of Spanish people here, uh, new friends that I've made here with the Sideways Movement, and they've expressed that there's a huge discontent with the the, the whole political uh, paradigm here in uh, in the whole country, and also that, well, they're waking up because they, they really don't want the same system over and over again. And they, they have realized that if they vote for one, uh, for one party rather than another, it will still not change the, the problems. They will still have no jobs and they will still have no pensions, et cetera, et cetera. So really, uh, it's a huge awakening, and this is a, a huge opportunity for change, whether, whether it's positive or, or negative. I really hope it's, it's positive and towards a, a, an RB, of course. But uh, for now, it's, it's just you know people losing jobs, and they're not really happy about it. And they're, they, they finally realize that uh, politicians are not working for them. Uh, they're working for the banks. Uh, well, that was pretty obvious, but with Internet, now people can, can have a lot of more access than they had before. So previously, uh, a journal would, would say, you know, would, would write in a, in a, in a heading, uh, well, people are, are losing jobs. Maybe it's time to, to hear the left, or the left wing or, or, or the middle wing or I know. But, but now, no, you, you can't say that because there are so, so many alternative news letter, uh, news sources that you can't deceive the people anymore. So, so the powers that be cannot really play the same game. And that's, that's the, the, the amazing aspect of this revolution. And of course, it's a copy of what happened in, in Egypt with, uh, with all the people just gathering without any political or religious background, just going together and saying a big F you to, to, the, to the status quo. And that's what I think, and of course, uh, the uh, people will continue to to lose a, a lot of jobs uh, because uh, nothing will change really. Uh, very little is is being done to create new jobs and create better education. 
unfortunately, you know, you see the the budgets. Uh, this, there's still a lot of of investment towards military more than to education, and that's the case for Spain as well. So um, it's it's really a shame, but in, in one way uh, for for the political uh, arena, but for the for the people, it's a good uh, it's a huge win because they're awakening. All right, um, and that brings us to Ben. Um, uh, ben, you said that actually you were witnessing some of the protests and that you made video of some of it or something to that effect. Do you want to go ahead and share your experiences with everyone? Sure, that's right. I was I was reading about the protests on Facebook the last couple of uh, weeks, or at least when it started really you know making the rounds. And it's just so happened that I was uh, on a trip to uh, Madrid anyway. And when I was there, someone pinged me with the kind of uh, news that these protests had gone national and that they were very likely to go at least European-wide in some sense. And I wanked up on Google Maps and it was nine minutes away from my hotel. So I, I immediately went down and um, uh, I videoed my Why I Advocate campaign for the Zeitgeist movement in the sort of tent occupation of Puerto del Sol. And it's really quite marvelous when you're there because uh, it's sort of permatent, so it's very much like a permanent festival uh, in the middle of this square where people have set up these booths and, you know, all the kind of uh, stuff that goes with it, you know, people putting on shows and uh, talking to each other. And generally the vibe was, it was really sort of positive and, and, and very nice. And I sort of walked around doing my piece about how, you know, essentially the reason I am involved in activism is because of this, uh, you know, uh, young people whose sort of modus operandi in society is being sold off to pay the debt that's being incurred by the banking system. And uh, what was nice as I was walking around was uh, I spotted that some of the stores had set up solar uh, solar power to kind of fund, you know, to kind of power whatever they were doing there. And I said, that's sort of a resource-based economy in a microcosm because they have to be there and they're not going anywhere, so they need energy. <laughs> so they sort of set up this kind of... Uh, uh, solar system, a very minor one, of course. And then I sort of wandered around a bit and, uh, and sort of then left and went back. And, and later on, they actually did a demonstration where they walked down the street yelling stuff. Uh, unfortunately, my Spanish is so bad, I had no idea what they were saying, but I'd imagine it amounted to something similar to, uh, we're not very happy with this and it's time for a change. So that was very nice to see. And uh, I, as far as I understand it, um, that kind of protest, that kind of um, occupation of a sort of a public commons, like a public space, has spread to at least 180 different uh, sites in just Madrid. Uh, and on the, on the top of that, they, of course, have been appearing in Barcelona as well. So this is a very distributed, very noticeable, sort of very visual thing that's going on. Right. Well, you know, I'd be interested to see your video now, obviously, given all of that. And um, now I remember that I guess uh, Zeitgeist Spain has met about this to some degree in TS3. Um, Emilio, you, you had talked about wanting to uh, share the, the Zeitgeist you know, Spain chapter's position on this whole issue. So I'm going to go ahead and give you an opportunity to do that now. Yeah, well, Lorena's going to do it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, go right on ahead. <laughs> After having a couple of problems of representation, <laughs> uh, we decided to to write a statement by consensus, uh, so we could so we could share it with the uh, with the rest of the chapters internationally. Uh, on Friday, we wrote that statement, and well, uh, we we explained uh, how it how it started and what's the actual position of the movement as, a, as an organism um, in front of this uh, protest. So we have to remember this, all this started on May 15th uh, with, a, with a demonstration uh, organized by a collective named uh, something like Real Democracy Now. So, well, actually the movement didn't participate as an organism. We decided we, will, we were going to, to spread uh, information to the, to the protestants, but not as part of the, of the demonstration, because uh, the, the proposals were um, just political and local proposals, just for Spain under the Spanish uh, legislation and under the, under the Spanish law and, well, a kind of reform. 
so we consider it was it was necessary to be in a parallel way uh, from the sidegas movement strategy. Otherwise, uh, we thought it could be mixed. It. Like uh, well, when, when we had to to talk to new people, they ask us if we are uh, if we are a politic party, if we are religious, etc. And we thought that was a personal choice. But all of well, the most part of the activists went to the demonstrations to spread uh, the resource-based economy ideas and to talk to the people about how money is created and how the monetary system works. And well, after a few problems with uh, some members that were kind of um, asking the activists for going to to the protest and join the protest, asking for re political reforms. And we tried to, well, both Emilia and me tried to bring it to the to the to a national official meeting so we could decide something by consensus because lots of people from from abroad were asking, uh, what's going on in Spain? Uh, how are you managing? And we didn't know what to say because we thought our opinion was not relevant, but the whole collective opinion. So by now the position um, is to keep spreading resource-based economy ideas as we do every day on the streets, at home, with our friends, everywhere. And in case any of the activists was, was to join the protest or, or be part of a political party or anything, it should be as a citizen not uh, as a scientist movement organism itself, just as a citizen. Uh, well, that's the position, and we can share the, 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 the statement. We are going to share it in the next international meeting so people can have a better idea about what's going on here. We've got all the statements uh, of these collectives asking for a change. And well, just add that we've got we found a very big problem, especially for the sidegas movement activists here. Uh, Emilia and me were in four of the of the of the campaigns <laughs> of the demonstrations, and we found a problem. Um, if you have a technical uh, proposal it's systematically denied. So it's really difficult to get to explain the resource-based economy ideas properly if if you're not allowed to explain technical issues. It's like it's by consensus that you can't be too technical so because people might be confused or they maybe don't have enough knowledge to follow your your speech. So we found that problem when we wanted to spread resource-based economy ideas. So uh, we decided to just uh, spread flyers and ask questions to the people and start talking to the people personally because uh, you can't speak to the big concentrated mass about a technical issue. Right. Well, no, that's actually, I, I see where you're coming from there. Now, I mean, did you did you have the, the statement that you were planning to make? You, you can go ahead and read that on the air. That'd be fine. We have it in Spanish. We have to do the translation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I imagine that would be difficult. If I had known, I, I would have told you guys to go ahead and read it in English on the air, but that's all right. You know, um, we can check it out later, and, and if you guys want to send me a translated version, I'll just read it on a future episode. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, um, I guess now it's kind of time for open forum. Uh, uh, as far as, like, I'm going to ask you, Ben, um, when, you, when you were there for the protest, you said it was a very visual situation. I mean, I've seen some really striking video of, I guess, the police just brutally beating on protesters. Um, and, I mean, I, did you witness any of that while you were there? Um, 
Well, I didn't actually see any police action, but as I was walking around, it was very obvious that they were there. <laughs> uh, multiple um, sort of cars, far too many cars for what was really going on. I mean, you can gauge the mood of anywhere pretty well by how people are behaving, the general noise levels. And it really was a very pleasant uh, area to be in. You know, I, it, there was no kind of negativity, except really that emanating from the obvious armed police presence with their vans and their... Uh, all the rest of it. They'd also blocked off some of the roads so the traffic was calmed around there. And that's partly, obviously, to protect the kind of uh, significant increase in the kind of populace that's there at the time. But mostly also it seems to be a sort of, uh, not a kettling example, but just a way of sort of imposing themselves as well to kind of cordon off areas. Um, so, I, 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 yes, while I didn't see any overt brutality, there's enough violence in a uh, sort of very large presence that's sort of made when it might not actually be necessary. These aren't violent people. Right. Well, that's well, – no, and I, I didn't really get the impression even from the, the Russia Today footage uh, that the protesters themselves were doing anything wrong. You just basically kind of see some police officers with batons walking up and beating on them. Um, you know, and I'm, that could be an exception, I obviously, but um, – uh, has there been anybody else on the call who's who's seen or heard anything about violence against the protesters? You know, feel free to speak up. Well, basically, the, the violence that you saw was in uh, Barcelona. Uh, it, the, the, the police there is very famous for being uh, very uh, rude, you know, in a matter of speaking, because uh, they 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 know that they can abuse of of people as as long as they can uh, hide their their numbers of ID. So uh, that's what you you saw in in the videos that were uh, circulating in, in YouTube, and of course it was an abuse of power, and um, and of course they they received orders to to clean the the space because they they were the next day they were going to have a a celebration of the Barcelona versus their uh, soccer team. If, and, and if Barcelona won, they had to occupy that uh, that plaza, that square, in order to celebrate. So the excuse from the status quo was that basically it had to be it had to be uh, left alone and cleaned, so that uh, the the sheep would go and and go and uh, uh, celebrate for for their uh, soccer gods. And of course, uh, that uh, that was a stupid excuse because. That only enraged the people even more. So when that uh, cleansing of the people was made, uh, more people the day afterwards, uh, the people went back, and even more people went back this time. So uh, that's that, that was a, a very good sign of of solidarity from from the rest of the people. And of course, uh, there was no uh, violence from the protesters. It was very very rare. And it was only because the police were being so abusive that uh, instinctively they reacted in a violent way, but not because they planned to do it in the first place. You know, and that's uh, – in watching some of the video, man, I just like I, – I still remember this this poor person, you know, getting whacked with a, with a billy club in the arm, and then I immediately kind of felt an empathy. I was like, geez, you know, it's, it looked like he got hit like right near the elbow. That would hurt like hell, and then you – you know, some of them, like, I guess were bleeding, you know, and I was just like, you know, you got to imagine what it would be like to be one of those people kind of trapped in that situation. You know, we've seen protesters, you know, and we've seen police beat on people, but there was something about the uh, specific footage in question that left an impression on me that, you know, things were really, really tough, uh, at least in Barcelona that day. Um, now, uh, I guess basically since I've had everybody, you know, talking about this. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, they, they were being very pacific, and the, the the police there just just got to provoke the people, so they started trying to move them uh, uh, by pulling them with their hands. And uh, they they saw that that didn't work, so they started hitting them with the sticks and provoking them so that they could fight them. And then they started to, as they saw that they didn't react as violently as they expected, they started to beat the hell out of them. And you know that was the result of of the of what you saw in the videos. You know, and that's uh, that's also very common, sadly, all too common, actually, um, in that they, they will do things to try to justify where they're coming from. Uh, you know, especially with police officers, they'll they'll do things like they'll join a peaceful protest um, uh, and uh, they will start throwing rocks 
while pretending to be one of the protesters to get the the police the permission that they would need, so to speak, to to break up a peaceful protest. Um, and was, go ahead. Yeah, there there was a a police officer that I read on the internet that sent a message on Facebook. Uh, uh, still not known if it's authentic, but well, basically he said that if he had the the opportunity to to hit the persons, he would he would gladly do it. Uh, but he didn't. Uh, he wasn't in that specific protest, so he he skipped it. But he was very eager to to go and hit the people, and of course um, they identified him. But I don't know if it, it resulted in on a on an authentic identity at, at the end of it all. But I wouldn't be surprised at all that you know these people are actually enjoying being sadistic and psychopathic about it. If, um, I, if I may say something there, I think the uh, the uh, violent occasions were very um, limited. They were only in Barcelona. They weren't anywhere else in Spain. And um, it's quite obvious that they were totally uh, over the top. They were totally unreasonable. But um, I think that the, the Spanish protesters have shown themselves magnificently by their reaction to it. You know, that they, they, didn't, they didn't come back with more violence. The next day, when when about the cleaning up thing, by the way, they did go back and they've cleaned up the plaza till it really shone, so that, you know that the uh, authorities wouldn't be able to say that they'd left a mess or anything like that. They've been very careful. Well, the, the violence has been just very limited, you know. So let's not think that the whole of Spain has been running around with uh, weapons and what have you. It's, it's not not been like that. All right. Well, but let there me, have uh, been a lot of people in the process. This is true. A lot of people in the process. Let me give a, a point real quick because I remember somebody making a point on Facebook in regards to the, the impression today video that was being passed around and such. You know, it was like, when are we going to fight back? And I had to point out to him that uh, the, the effects of peaceful protest and the reason that they are so much more effective is that if you don't give any indication that you're causing any kind of trouble, it, it makes it extremely obvious to anybody watching what's going on who is the aggressor. Uh, if you fight back, even if the police started it, uh, especially if you have any kind of establishment like a government or whatever that's trying to make it look like the protesters were causing problems, you know, if you have any kind of violent behavior on your side, you know, they will take the, the video clips of the protesters doing things wrong and then they won't post the, you know, the, the thing that started it, obviously. Uh, police are known to do this as well uh, in circumstances of breaking up protests that basically one of the reasons why Gandhi and Martin Luther King's protesting was so effective is because it was extremely obvious who was the aggressor. It was extremely obvious uh, who was causing the problems. And it also, it made the police look terrible. It made the establishment look terrible. And it means you're going to have to endure some pain, and it means you're going to have to endure some, you know, I guess, humiliation. But the reality is, you know, in that moment, you might feel that way. But for posterity's sake and for the sake of history, you know, it's going to be extremely obvious to everyone else who's really humiliating themselves with their cruel behavior. And that's the reason beyond anything else why peaceful protest is the most effective way, because you have to remember we're dealing with the court of public opinion here. It's not just about, you know, the, the kumbaya, you know, uh, love the world, beam love at everybody, you know, concept of being nonviolent. It's that they will try to use anything you do as propaganda against you. Um, even positive protests, like the very small amount of people in Iraq that were involved in taking down the statue of Saddam Hussein. You know, they took that and they inflated it to look like it was this massive protest from people in Iraq, when the reality was it wasn't. It was just a few people and they thought, you know, tearing down a statue would be funny. They didn't even really care about what was going on. Most of it was actually done by the United States military. So that's the reason why it's important to remember it's not just a position of uh, it's not just a position of morality when you're trying to be a peaceful protester. It's more effective in the long run. Strategically, if you do not allow yourself to be debased into violence, then there will be no footage of any protesters doing anything to deserve what's happening to them, and that starts to turn more and more pressure on the establishment. Now. Um, Emilio, uh, you wanted to go ahead and comment on this, so go ahead. Yes, I just wanted to point out the same as someone said on the chat, that please don't blame the humans behind the mask, the police, because they are doing their job. And, you know, we all do our job. And in their case, 
if they receive some orders, they are trained to follow them. So they are not the guilty. No, 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 no. They're, sorry, man. Uh, there's no excuse to being a psychopath. If you're going to get paid to rape somebody, you're gonna, you're not gonna do it and say, oh no, I'm a victim of the system. I'm, I'm gonna, I have to rape somebody. That's no excuse. Excuse me, that, that's well, not well, allowable. Let me, just, let me to comment on what he's saying really quickly because I, you know, I don't just turn into an argument, but I see where Carlos is coming from, and I've had to tell Charlie Beach the same thing. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but it's important to understand that, uh, you know, they are created by their environment, and the environment that a police officer works in has is is not good for people. That's why we're trying to, you know, create a world where, you know, we don't need them anymore. It does not excuse the behavior, but it does explain the behavior. And it's important that we understand that, for instance, what ends up becoming a problem is, you know, you get abused by one police officer. So then you, in turn, are rude to another police officer who maybe has never done anything wrong. Then that police officer gets the impression, oh, okay, well, people are rude. So then maybe I should be rude. You know, it's it, violence and, and aggressive behavior is like a disease. Somebody victimizes someone, and then somebody then in turn victimizes someone else, and then the 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 attitude just continues. So I'm it's sorry. A, it's snowball effect. Right. Go ahead, Emilio. I, I apologize. Yeah. Well. Um, also, I wanted to remember what it happened in Argentina and other Latin American countries, and I think all over the world that there were huge protests. They were massively people on the street doing everything that they had on their hands but, uh, without violence, violence, all kind of protests and they all tried to change the situation in the country. They were all unified to find a solution to the crisis, to find uh, who was the, 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 the bad guy in the history and in the story. And finally, what happens now, 10 years later, that the people forgot about everything that happened there, back then. They have the money in the same banks. They are voting the same politicians that made the same laws because they are now in a good, uh, well, uh, uh, in, they are in wellness. They are not in need like in that time. So when they have, you know, the basics for living, they don't they don't care about who are making the laws, what is going on, and they only protest when they feel that it's, you know, it's their turn. But it's it's important to say that what we as people should do, or what I recommend, is try to inform the people what is the cause of that problem. So if they understand the cause, they are never going to attack. <coughs> Because a symptom can be cured, but you have to cure the disease itself. Well, I would like to have no one deserves violence, but what the police, uh, what the policemen do, is what they have to, and it's not the most unfair job. I think uh, it's it's another consequence, it's another symptom, and sometimes we go to demonstrate and. Then we throw a couple of rocks to the policeman and then come come back home and we keep living in the way we lived before with the same consuming habits and everything. But we think we've done our homework and it's not like that. It's a kind of placebo effect and it it happens in the most part of the protest. Right. Well, um in any case, uh, I, you know, I also want to point out, you know, what you were pointing out, Vixie, is is important, is that in that the, I guess that the violence is, is I guess, not that common, um, and it's one of the reasons why I decided to do this show was that the the media wasn't really talking about all of this, and it was important to kind of have uh, an opportunity to talk to people who were there on the ground and also the people who have been in Spain. Uh, recently to understand the financial situation and what motivates these people. Um, whether or not anybody in the Zeitgeist movement agrees with the protests as a, uh, you know, a situation, um, you know, is that basically uh, we, we have to recognize that this is still an important event because this is part of the societal breakdown. And in addition, I, I like what the, you know, the, the you know, uh, Emilio and you know, the other members of the chapter are doing in that you know it's recognizing this as an opportunity 
that they need to, you know, that this is a time to talk to people because it's the ones who realize that there is a problem who uh, are the ones that, um, you know, are looking for solutions, you know, and it, it, what they don't recognize is as much as I, I definitely, you know, advocate the fact that they're, they're speaking out that in, you know, that political reform is not going to be sufficient. So we need to offer them a different solution. Um, and that's generally what I would tell people, uh, you know, in, you know, is to consider that these, these protests in particular are a great opportunity to try to communicate to people of, you know, we can do the protests and I, you know, I have no problem with that, but on the same token, you know, we're not going to get a politician who's going to change this in a permanent fashion. We're not going to get a political system that's going to change this in a permanent fashion, you know, especially when it comes to unemployment. You know, uh, politicians claiming that they can fix the unemployment problem is such a joke because, I mean, it, there's there's nothing you can do about technological unemployment short of just making machines illegal, which nobody's going to do, you know, or short of uh, making outsourcing illegal, which nobody's going to do. So uh, we need a new system because the, the people at the top are not really too concerned or interested as far as to what kind of financial damage uh will be going on, you know, because of the things that they're doing now um, in the, you know, in the system, we, we just need to do something different entirely. We, we, the patchwork is done. It's like when you own an old car, there comes a point at which, you know, continuing to fix the car is more expensive than just going ahead and getting a new one. And I think that the system has reached that state, you know, for some time. Um, uh, now just to, once again, to continue cycling through the panelists, uh, uh, ben, did you have anything further to add at this point of the conversation? Yes, a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> I was concurrently, um, a couple of days ago, I met uh, a lady who works in Greece, sort of a, a Greek lady, and I asked her, sort of, you know, what was going on there from sort of a groundsman's perspective, you know, how is the mood? And she answered me in a really simple way. She said, I don't know whether I'm going to get paid in June. So what's happening at the moment, we've seen traditional protests in the past, we've seen them, you know, in the 60s and 70s in the UK with the minor strikes, but that sort of faded away, didn't it? Because uh, as a society generally, we're pretty heartless about small pockets of them. So, oh, the miners are upset, well, that doesn't matter, there's only a few of those or something equally as meaningless. Um, but what's happened now, especially in Spain, especially in Greece, is that there's a tipping point now where the... What would, what would maybe be called society's effective or important people in that um, general sense, the young, the ones whose future is about to be turned out, the majority of the people who are able-bodied and able-minded and sort of are meant to just be going about their day are all being affected in a very serious way. So I think that these protests are sort of here to stay in a very regular uh, way. I mean, if you think about it, Western Europe and the Middle East are all at the same time uh, protesting about similar things. So there seems to be this sort of breaking point where now it's so pervasive and affecting so many people that the conversation is forced to the fore. People who probably never believed that they'd be activists or at least be active uh, about something other than simply getting up and going to work because the, the rug must feel like it's been pulled out from under them. Um, I, I found it really hard to relate uh, to what the lady from Greece was saying. I can't imagine, at least for the moment, not knowing while I'm employed, that I wouldn't be getting a paycheck the next month. That really spelled it out. And she actually summed it up really beautifully. She said, this is financial occupation. And for a lady in her mid-50s who is, um, you know, traditional, she votes, she believes it was her, her sort of a duty to vote, with that kind of um, investment on an emotional level in your society, to admit to yourself and to come to the realization your country is literally under financial occupation the way it might have uh, once been under military occupation is a, a telling thing to realize, I think, especially for the older generations who would probably be content to just think, well, it's another one of those problems. So that's just what I sort of have to ask. All right. Um, Vixie, did you want to comment? Um, well, I've, I um, spent some time today looking at the, um, the what, they, what they have agreed between them all to ask from the politicians. I'm trying to open the page and my computer's going very slow, so please forgive me. But they, they're all the typical, um, for example, elimination of the political class's privileges, you know, all these privileges, super high wages and so on and so forth that they can get even when they're no longer working in politics. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Elimination of 
the immunity which goes with these positions. You know, they've done that. They, they, there's an awful lot of corruption coming to light, as usual, in Spain, and so many of the politicians seem to get off or get away with it. You know, so they want they want the immunity that's associated with these positions to be eliminated. Um, they want to um, eliminate these posts that are created by basically pointing a finger at somebody and saying that guy is going to do this job. You know, the the the, the um, friendly. Um, giving the the jobs out and so on they want to then they when it's against the unemployment they want to share the jobs and in this way they think they're going to foment the reduction in working hours and so if everybody's sharing a job and that carries on until unemployment drops to below five percent well they think they're going to um fix it with that as well you know and of course they're all patches they're all within the same system so we really do need to get the message out about a different way of doing things, and it does seem the moment to do it. Now, um, Carlos? Yeah, sorry? Yeah, did you want to go ahead and comment? Okay, yeah. Uh, basically, I wanted to comment on what the people at Madrid are doing, and they're doing a great job. Uh, basically, there's there are some people that um, from the Tigers movement uh, that are gathering in the assemblies in inside the campment in uh, Puerta del Sol, and they, they've been promoting a lot of RBE idea, the resource-based economy. Uh, they, they 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 have shared it, but because it's anonymous, you can't know how successful it has been. Uh, unfortunately, we only know that you know that the message has been sent, and we we've been giving flyers as well. But nothing, nothing too big, and, not, and some people actually came uh, from inside the campaign and called called some of of the members. Well, called the movement as a cult, you know, so not, nothing new really. But uh, aside from that, uh, you know, uh, but the majority of people were very receptive, and you know, so, um, well, at least me, I was very. Uh, like not direct in, in telling them to go and research from uh, for the research based economy i i gave them that little critical thought on how to search for the solution and it was basically it has to do nothing with money and yes i gave i, I gave some names but i didn't give the the name directly research based economy in some occasions i gave some some flyers and uh, it, the, the name was there and other cases i i just went and and talked to people and a lot of people are doing a lot of stuff, uh, but yes, I think it was very positive as a, a personal experience. And we were not there as uh, the Cyclist Movement were there individually, but of course, uh, as individuals, we support the research-based economy, and, and of course, we we talked about it a lot. And unfortunately, yes, they they turned to to point to a reform, and that reform will obviously lead to the same corruption as always. But they are still uh, very very uh, pesky in the in the way that they are they're giving away. So they're not doing it like you know we're doing this and then we're not uh, caring anymore. No, they're they're keeping an eye on people uh, on the high ranks and uh, that's a good thing. And the, the the rest the rest of it is well basically they are listening to solutions. How much the research-based economy is being heard, I can't tell you, but only time will tell. Now um, I'm going to go ahead and go back to Emilio um, and uh, you know, obviously your friend there. What was her name again? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm Lorena. Lorena? Yes. It's a pretty <laughs> name. Okay, well, ladies first. Uh, if you want to go ahead and give a comment on what's been said so far, go ahead. Yes. Well, we would like to... Uh to remind, um, well, um, we are spreading RPE ideas in the in the demonstrations, but we shouldn't wait until this kind of event come to go to the streets and and spread the message and spread the information. Uh, we must agree so far, but um, the thing is, we should look for those guys who are confused and looking for solutions and they are they are finding political reforms over and over and over and over again in the in the statements in the banners everything uh, all the all the these uh, concentrations are full of political reform proposals 
So we should look for those guys who are confused and looking for new sol solutions uh, in order to to abolish the, the root of the problem. So I can say there's so many people who don't agree with this kind of political reform, but my impression is that by the moment mm, all the proposals that are subject to be voted and approved are, are basically political, as Bixi said. So uh, I think I also think that something's wrong with the kind of the, with the organization with the chronological organization itself. I mean. When we went to the to the mean concentration, to the Madrid one, to the Puerta del Sol, uh, we found a small system into the big one. We found a small city with the same problems you find in the big one. It's because if we don't if we don't start with the values, with the consciousness, then we all the cities, all the villages, all the campings we are going to build are going to be the same as we learned they were the big ones. So uh, we thought uh, we should start first with our villages and then bring them to the streets and then try to build something out of that. Otherwise we would, we would, we would fall in the same mistakes over and over again. And what I wanted to say is that, well, me and Lorena, we are hitchhikers, and what we usually do is we talk with the drivers, and they all say, they all tell you any problem that they have in their personal life. Uh, I'm tired of working, or the people, you know, it's very bad, or that they behave so bad to me, and all the problems that someone tells you, you can easily relate it to the same uh, cause, the same root. So it's not very hard to talk about a solution to all these problems, which are monetary-based. So this is a great opportunity because the people is looking for an answer. But any opportunity that you have to talk with anyone is a good way to bring this uh, resource-based economy way of thinking for how to solve a problem and yeah, the, the solutions to the problem. All right. Well, um, you know, this has basically uh, been a great conversation overall, and I'm really glad that you all agreed to come on today. Uh, we're now coming down to uh, the last three minutes of the or you know the broadcast as was previously scheduled. Um, is there anything else anybody would like to share about the circumstances in Spain before we continue? Um, go ahead and, uh, or basically uh, before we end the show, go ahead and uh, you know, make your statements now uh, if you're interested. Um, and just, Go ahead. I'd just like to say very quickly that we're all talking about um, informing people about a resource-based economy, but it's also very important for us to make sure that we do have our own ideas very clear about what a resource-based economy is so that we're all giving out the same message. And that there's no confusion between the the ideas, you know. Right. You know, and that's that's very true. And um, it, it is kind of a matter of you know, we talk about the reason that talking about the symptoms is important is unfortunately uh, the best way to motivate people is to get them to realize that there's a problem in the first place. And there are so many people that are so good at just pretending that there is no problem. Um, the the willfully ignorant, as uh, George Carlin would call them. Um, and uh, I want to thank everybody for being on today. Um, and uh, for those of you, you know, as I said, tuning in now, thank you for tuning in to V Radio. Uh, please visit my website, v hyphen or v dash radio dot org, um, and uh, check out the archives, check out the uh, must see TV list, check out the forums. Um, you will also find uh, there the uh, Facebook button for my upcoming documentary, Troll. Uh, a look at a heavy look at the way that uh, communication on the internet is being impacted uh, by our behavior and the impact that the negative communication is having on our culture in general. Uh, this film will not just be about uh, you know kids in their mom's basement making fun of people from the internet. 
It's also about how these uh, tactics are actually being used in an organized fashion by corporations, uh, governments. Um, we're also going to get into the effects of cyber stalking and cyber bullying. Uh, some of you may remember my show recently with Jane Hitchcock, the expert on the topic. I've been reading her book. Uh, lots of good information in there. Um, and uh, also looking at the, the damage that, the, that can be done to the Internet if this kind of behavior continues. So uh, that being said, uh, thank you, everyone, for being on. Go ahead and say goodbye to the audience. Thank you. Bye. Good night, everybody. Yep. Good night again. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> All right, everyone, I will leave you with some words from John Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is John Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.